Welcome to the Sports Epreneur Podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide, a CatSource family production. In this episode, we discuss life in the NFL, sports and business, and the Ohio State Buckeyes culture. This podcast exists in large part because of CatCM, the content marketing business inside CatSource Inc. So what does CatCM do? You know how many business leaders need help communicating their story? Well, that's what we do content creation and distribution for business leaders. This provides opportunities, relationships, and a platform for you and your business. Why do we do this? Because at CADCM, we exist to help business leaders build a meaningful legacy that is worth living and leaving. Learn more by visiting cadcm.com. Our guest today is Chimdi Chekwa, current NFL free agent and entrepreneur. Chimdi is a former Ohio State Buckeyes football player and current entrepreneur as a co-owner of the Pit Barbecue Grill in Columbus, Ohio. He also has his hands in other ventures that we touch on in this chat. You may remember Chimdi from his days with the Ohio State Buckeyes, where he was a first-team All-American cornerback. After college, Chimdi was drafted in the fourth round by the Oakland Raiders in the 2011 NFL Draft. Through much perseverance and motivation, Chimdi gives us insight around why he is so passionate about sports and entrepreneurship. Chimdi's examples of self-awareness and constant improvement were on full display in our chat. His incredible mindset and desire to succeed has us so excited to feature him on this podcast. And anytime I get a chance to talk Buckeye football, I'm taking it. And with so much to talk about, let's get right into this episode and welcome Ohio State Buckeye great, Chimdi Chekwa. I heard you on uh, Beanie Wells and uh, Boom Heron's podcast, and you guys were talking about, you know, the days playing with Coach Trestle. Um, incredible. I think it's been an incredible run. I mean, Ohio State's been on an incredible run for decades, of course. But when Trestle got here, yeah. I think the culture changed even more. Um, I mean, just obviously looking at how Ohio State's handling, you know, playing Michigan and beating Michigan seems like almost every time they go out. Um, but there's a culture there. And just talk a little bit about that because you came early on. I think Trestle had been here a few years, but um, you came here early on when Coach Trestle got here. Talk a little bit about what Coach Trestle means to you as a person and as a player. Yeah, I think Trestle was uh, just a good uh, leader, a leader of men, or at least a leader of, of boys transitioning into uh, becoming men. Um, he did a good job of, of instilling in, in us what what's important, reminding us what's important, um, giving us tools on how to um, actually maintain our focus and kind of cut through all the distractions and stuff that are out there. Um, and to be honest, you know, coming from high school to Ohio State, um, I just just own, just knowing Tresto and pretty much my high school coach, that that type of leadership um, was kind of what I thought every player had. You know, every coach did, but wasn't until I got to NFL and kind of uh, was away from Trestle for a while that I realized he was unique in that. Not only that, he can also he also did a great job of connecting with people and uh, connecting with um, players' families and remembering everything about their families and their friends and stuff like that. So um, he was unique in that he he really knew how to know how to connect with individuals, and I think that helped me throughout my time at Ohio State and after. I'm sure. And so like you go to the NFL and you're having conversations with guys in practice and, you know, you're sitting down for dinner and they're probably asking you about your experience at Ohio state. So it's, what did, what did other people go through? They just not have that type of leadership 
at their school because I think so many people took it for granted, you know, people on the outside I'm talking about of what a coach yeah. like Jim Trussell could mean to, to the, to the organ, to the program and to players like yourself. Um, and I think it's a, it's a great point because you don't know unless you're in there and then hearing you tell the story some years later, yeah. man, it just makes you look back and um, I've always admired coach Trussell uh, you know, from reading his book, the winner's manual, and obviously talking to a player like yourself that lived that, you know, um, what, like, how does that conversation come up when you're talking to other NFL players? Because you're, you're all of a sudden you're getting with a group of guys that are coming from all over the country, right? And so many different programs. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of guys had different experiences. Some guys had similar, um, uh, with, with, with their coaches and, uh, their schools and stuff. A lot of guys had different experiences. I mean, you got NFL, there's no, there's no discrimination when it comes to what school you're going to come from. You mean you got guys coming from little, from small schools, D3 schools. You got guys coming from the biggest um, universities. Um, good football teams, bad football teams. Like there's a, there's a really diverse in that in that aspect. But um, yeah, guys have so many different experiences. I know a lot of guys would say, you know, I wish I went to a school at Ohio State. I wish I played for a guy like Tressa. Um, I mean, that's just the reality of it. Not everybody. Was was able to benefit from that type of culture. Um, it it did. I would say it helped guys in different ways. Like some guys didn't have that type of uh, leadership, but they 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 kind of grew up early. They kind of had to to make it to the NFL. They had to kind of find their way and grow up a little bit sooner, and that allowed them when when they got in the NFL to already have that kind of driving focus to you know. Um, be able to, to dictate their own schedules and not have to rely on the coach to direct them and lead them in, in any in any way. But I know for me, I think the biggest thing um, Trestle did for me is to be able to understand football was football, and there is life outside of that that you need to make sure that you build yourself up as an individual while you're also improving yourself on the field. Absolutely. Well, like you're saying, there's a lot of different ways to get there. You might be fortunate to have someone like Trestle in your life and, and other people might've been unfortunate to have someone else, <clears throat> excuse me, but there's different ways to get there. Like you said, um, those that, you know, see the obstacle that may be in their way, they can overcome that, uh, by, like you said, growing up early, you know, and there's a couple things I yeah. want to touch on, uh, in a minute, we're getting a transition a little bit, but, but comparison, right? So I think, we got to end the debate once and for all. You, you, you're from New Orleans and you lived in Florida. Uh, you, yeah, you, you played high school ball in Florida. You come to Ohio State. And so you've seen it, right? You've seen football in some of the biggest and the best states uh, that are known out there. And we talk about who's DBU ultimately. Who is DBU? LSU has obviously talked about a lot. Ohio State. I know there's some schools in Florida, maybe somewhere out in Texas and California want to claim that. But you've seen them all up close. So let's end that debate right now. Who is DBU? It's definitely Ohio State, without question. If I was to if I was to choose a second school, I would probably lean towards Texas, um, and that may be because I interacted with a lot of guys who went to Texas. But uh, outside of that, it's definitely Ohio State. That's without question. Yeah, I mean, so I'm there's from no, Buck. There's no, no comparison. No comparison. So, and I agree because you know I'm from Buffalo, New York. And I remember the days when Antoine Winfield, Nate Clements come along and it's seemingly like constantly every year 
you know, someone like you's there and, you know, a lot of recent draft picks, Marshawn Lattimore, Denzel Ward. And I mean, it just, you go pick a name from a year, right. And you're going to find someone who just athlete talent, you know, technical skill, all these different things. What is it about Ohio state that's, you know, turning out year after year, incredible defensive backs. I think, so there's two things. One is, they're recruiting well, so a lot right. of these guys are good <laughs> doing this for our state. And the, part, the other part of it is development. I think uh, one thing, especially playing corner, you need to be self-aware and understand where what they're like in anything you do. But so much at, at the cornerback position because there's 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 a coaches who tell you what you need to do on the field. Like this is where you're supposed to be at. Here's the position you're supposed to be in. But there's so many nuances in the gray area when it comes to playing corner where you can't necessarily coach everyone the same. Like, people move differently. They react differently. So you have to figure out how you're going to play this position best. Like, what fits you? How should you? How should your stance be? How should you uh, react to certain things? And I think um, just being a smart player helps you understand yourself and develop in that way so that you'll be able to uh, maximize your full potential. I think about a guy like me, uh, Malcolm Jenkins, who we weren't necessarily five-star guys, right? So we were a guy that people would have projected forward to to be All-Americans and make it to the NFL. Um, but we had great college careers, and I think the part, part of that is um, coaching. The other part is being able to take that coaching and then apply it and say, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do, but let me make it fit my style of play that I can make sure I maximize my value. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's, uh, it's, it, and it seems to me like there's a, you have to rise to that level, right? There's an expectation. You show up there, like you just said, this is DBU and whether you're at Texas, LSU, Ohio state or somewhere else, there's an expectation that's put on you, which is a lot of pressure you have to deal with as a young man growing up. And, but at the same time, it seems like there's a culture of helping everybody out from the coaching staff to the players, to even former players. I mean, you watch a game on Saturday and, and you, you, like you said, if Malcolm Jenkins, you know, or someone like that has an off day in the NFL, they're possibly coming back and on the sidelines and you see them like helping these guys out. If they make a mistake, you know, pushing them, you get back out there, you're going to be okay. And it seems to me like you got to raise that level, but also not only raising that level, there's a lot of support out there. It's a huge support system at Ohio State, both, you know, when you come there and then after you leave. And to me, it seems like this culture is incredible. And you turn on like the the spring game. I mean, so many former players are coming back and just still a part of it. They don't leave and just leave forever. They're there. You know, it's like a fraternity, if you will, of just guys that want to support each other. But at the same time, you have to raise your own level to get to that level, to stay there and, and to be a part of that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Um, the the torch is passed when when you're uh, at that point where you're taking it over. You have to. I mean, you see, you know the guys who came before you. You see the you see everybody's uh, pictures and stuff hanging up. You you watch their film. You take part of what they've done and try to add it to your game, and you try to raise your level. And then the other thing is is competition. Um, you know, you get a, a a great group of guys, and a lot of the guys who don't see the field um, will probably to be honest. And start at other schools, so uh, you get that type of competition and uh, allow the the guy who can figure it out or the best guy to, to rise to the top, and that breeds these kind of players that come out of Ohio State. So you transition, like you said, you're coming to Ohio State. There's a big transition, and uh, but there's also the transition from college to the NFL. 
and and we're gonna go we're gonna bounce around here a little bit. But transitioning from Ohio State to the NFL around that time, I know Ohio State was going through some stuff, and I don't know if you can speak on any of this um, because you've already spoken about what an important person Jim Tressel was in your life, and it was disappointing. Um, I think for a lot of Ohio State fans that the media just decided and the NCA decided that we're going to make a we're going to uh, we're going to put Ohio State in a bad light. And yeah, maybe yeah. some some mistakes were made and all that, but it was disappointing from the standpoint of you hear what you have to say about someone like Jim Trussell. How disappointed were you in all that went on and all the chatter that you hear behind the scenes of people who really just don't know what they're talking about? Yeah, it was disappointing. I mean, it's one of those things in the media. I mean, whatever's going to drive traffic, whatever's going to drive viewers, it's what they do. So whenever you can tear down to something big, something great, I mean, when when things are going good, build them up because we're going to get a lot of viewers. And then if we see something um, that can, whether it's a little bit of smoke and we can make something of it, uh, they take that opportunity. It was very disappointing for me because, I mean, if you really stepped back and looked at what actually happened and looked at um, really the, the true details of what happened and thought about it in terms of being being a part of the NCAA and what's happening in the NCAA, the way it's structured, you'll be like, yeah, this is this is really a non-issue. Now, if a rule was broken, a rule was broken, right? That that has to be carried out, whatever your rules are. Um, but the way it, it the way to fire and the media was created to the point where, you know, people would, reporters would hit me up on, like, Facebook and ask me questions, like, so what happened? Is there anything you can tell me? And I, I'm like, nothing. <laughs> like, there's nothing um, huge that happened. There's no big story. It was just this, uh, this, this very, very small thing in the grand scheme of things. So I was very disappointed. Um, Never changed the way I felt feel about Tressel at all. Uh, to be honest, I was it kind of hurt me that he had to go through all that stuff. But I mean, that's 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 what the media does. That's that's the way it is. And at the end of the day, perception is reality. So if you're if Ohio State's always in the news about something negative, regardless of what it is, um, that story's going to be taken and blown out of proportion. That's right. I mean, sports media is in, in many times. It's not everybody, right? But it's clickbait. And, and then you get the court of public opinion where they force the issue to say, well, everyone got so excited because finally Ohio State's out of the picture. We can eliminate them because they're done. And, you know, for, for a minute that kind of happened, it seemed like, but then it changed again. So Trestle's gone on to do amazing, amazing things. He's a leader. You hear him talking to, like you said, former players on podcasts and, you know, he's on social media sharing his wisdom. And I think we're all lucky that he's still doing those things. And obviously you, you've, you've lived with it, but then Urban Meyer and you're, you're gone at this point, you've gone to the NFL. Urban Meyer shows up at Ohio state and it was like, hold on a second. We just, as the media and the, let's call them the haters of Ohio state, we thought Ohio state was out of the picture. And now you're going to go in and bring in Urban Meyer and Urban had, you know, there's a negative perception about him and what he did at Florida and how he's, you know, grooming his players. And, you know, he shows up. And I think people who are part of the Ohio State program realize, man, 
Urban's he's a good guy and he's got a lot of good things going on. But there's for whatever reason there's negative perception followed him and the, and the haters just kind of wanted to continue to bring it down. Um, have you been around the program while were you around the program while Urban was there? And you know what was your what are your thoughts on what he was doing? Yeah, I've been around, um, and I mean, my thoughts are he's done, he's an amazing job um, to come in, recruit. He's always recruited well, and to continue that, and then um, continue to develop players um, to the type of guys you see going in the first round, second round, third round uh, every year. Uh, I thought it was a, a great job, and he's, I mean, he's done a good job in a leadership position, also, also uh, getting guys the necessary resources and things they need to be able to build up their uh, their learning, their understanding outside of football, internships and all those things. So um, I thought he's done a great job. And I, I really expect Ryan Day to continue that at Ohio State tradition. Yeah, so they've had some changes on the defensive side of the ball, right? Some coaches have come in. Jeff Halfley, um, not sure if you've had any relationship with him in the past, but going to be helping out, obviously, with the defensive backs and um, they, they, their defense last year wasn't, I think, what you guys would expect it to be, but I would expect a, a big improvement this year. Uh, have you been around the current, you know, crop of defensive backs that are going to be at Ohio State with Coach Ryan Day, you know, uh, taking on his first year as the full-time head coach? I haven't been around the current. So I've been around the guys who were, who were here last year. Um, so not to not – the, um... The, the freshmen that, that have come in. And I haven't necessarily been around the new coach, new defensive uh, coaches or anything like that. Just the guys who were who were here last year. Actually, Coach Trevor Johnson, who was the DB coach last year, or the cornerback coach last year, was my coach back when I played at Ohio State. So he, had, he came back, and I had, they have a new guy there. So I haven't been around this new crop completely, this new crop of, uh, of cornerbacks, but... You know, I have high expectations for them. I thought, I thought they, um, as a defense, they underachieved last year. Um, I didn't have, I didn't agree with everything that was done schematically. Um, so I'm hoping that 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 changes. And I have real high expectations. I think the guys that are, are there now have a great ability. So. I'm excited to see what they do this year. Well, it's interesting that you say that you didn't agree with a lot of the things that they were doing with their scheme. And I think a lot of people, you know, whether it's fans or media, you try not to play Monday morning quarterback, but I think there was a big agreement in that, that, wait, what is going on? Like, why is this happening? Why are they just, you know, busting out 80 yard runs like left and right? It almost seemed like, I mean, this, this team is too good for that. Um, but that's just it, right? Uh, sometimes it just doesn't work, and for whatever reason, and there's a lot of moving parts to football. Um, I'm always amazed by how a college football program that can have success because there's so much happening in the game of football. I mean, you have 11 players on the field for each side. You got coaches. You got people up in the booth. I mean, there's just communication. There's there's athleticism. There's just there's so much has to go. And you living on the island on the outside playing cornerback. I mean, you could be the like you could be the one that makes the mistake. Everyone else does their job, and next thing you know, you're the receivers running in for a touchdown, and, and they're all looking at you. I mean, how do you, how did you live in that world? You know, obviously you played it for a long time, but there's so much happening in the game of football. How did you, Jim D, you know, deal with that? Um, it's really just challenging yourself to to be the best that that you can really be. Like I. I've, a long time ago, I was at Ohio State. I committed myself to always getting better, always getting better. And as long as I'm always getting better, 
and I'm going to do my job. And then from there, I'm, I'm counting on the other 10 guys to do their job to make sure that this whole thing works. That's the great thing about football. If one guy doesn't do his job, they can really ruin the entire defense. So, you know, a lot, a lot of times we're, when we're like, I don't like the scheme, it, you don't really truly know if it was the scheme or if it was the one individual just not getting to the spot that he was supposed to get to. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. It's, uh, it applies in business, right? I mean, we're, and we're going to get into that in a little bit and talk about more transition into entrepreneurship. Um, but going back to, to playing at Ohio state, so you came in, I think your first year was Oh six, if I'm not mistaken, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you were there for the one versus two game, Ohio state, Michigan. Was that the craziest environment you'd ever been in? I want to say yes, but I'm not completely sure. I've been a few crazy. You, you had, you had some, yeah, you had some <laughs> things. I mean, historically speaking, though, I, I, I was at that game. My father and my brother, and we, my my parents met at Ohio State, um, which I was born right into the family of Buckeyes. And you mm-hmm. know, my father always said, um, "This is it, man." And if you ever even consider going to that team up north, the school up north, you, you, you know, you can just leave, right? <laughs> but um, we were at that 06 <laughs> game and, and just, you know, the, the history behind it, um, Bo dying the day before. I mean, it's just, just a crazy atmosphere yeah. um, to get that and, and environment. It, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and it was. And it was my first year. I was a freshman. Like, that, that yep. first year went by so fast. <laughs> so it's like I remember, like, three things from my first year. <laughs> but um, I do remember after winning the game, which I thought was crazy, was, I, uh, Ohio State was going to, like, change the field or whatever uh, the next year. I remember uh, people picking up grass. Like, they were taking, like, blocks of grass off of the field after the game and taking it home. And I remember later on that night going out, walking down High Street, and seeing somebody walking down the street that night with a, with a, uh, a box of uh of grass in your hand from the game. <laughs> I thought that might be the craziest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. But, but that's Ohio State, right? That's the culture. Um, and I heard you talking about this as well on uh, on a podcast where it's just Saturdays in Columbus, you know, High Street. It just gets going early and it doesn't stop until, you know, it, it doesn't matter what time they get. It's a noon game, a mid-afternoon, or, you know, my goodness, if it's a night game, forget about it. But, um the it's just like I, how do you explain it man like you show up there and and you came from florida and like you said you spend time in louisiana you come up to columbus and did you even know what was going on before you ever got there like what this craziness uh called buckeye nation is all about i didn't fully know uh my my uh picture of columbus ohio was so completely messed up because <laughs> I didn't really know much about Ohio. So Columbus, I did, I knew Columbus was the capital city. But at the same time, I thought it was like a, just like a small college town, which didn't really make sense. Um, so I didn't realize how many people were actually in Columbus. Um, so, you know, living in the South, college towns, like you go to Gainesville, Florida, um, on Saturdays, I mean, football is all there is going on in the entire place. So um, you expect everybody to just kind of, you expect the area to just shut down for football because it's, you know, it's a smaller, smaller area. But then when you come to Columbus, you're like, damn, there's a lot of people here. 
right? <laughs> yep. And then on uh, on a Saturday, it's like it feels like a small town. Like it feels like everybody is focused on the football game, and it's, it's just amazing to me that how so many people could be on one accord and be supporting this one thing. And it's it's college football. It's not a professional team, although it, you would I would argue that it's more. Um, you get more support around Ohio State football, and it's run in a way that's more professional. Than a lot. I would agree with that. Um, I think th- there's there's a few cities in the NFL, and you probably played in different stadiums. And you know, being from Buffalo, I think the support they have is it, it reminds me almost of a college town. But when you show up to Columbus on Ohio State game day, um, I, I just <laughs> I haven't been to all the different places, but there's I don't know if there's much like it, um, and. I think as a player, I would imagine, man, you just got to eat it up and you just, I don't, you know, it's probably pretty easy to get up on, on game day, uh, wearing the, the scarlet and gray and, you know, again, a lot of pressure to live up to. I mean, the expectations every single year are national championship. I mean, first of all, win the big 10, you got to beat Michigan, right? It's just, you have to beat them because it's going to ruin everybody's year if you don't. And then you got to get, now you have to get in the playoff, which is a little bit for you, but you had to get in the BCS. You got to get in the playoff. You got to go win the national championship. I mean, these expectations are enormous. Do you yeah. feel that as a player? You know, because I've talked to different people and everyone's got, like you said before, some people go to smaller schools. They wanted to go to a school because they wanted to play right away. Some people want to go to the big schools because they want to do all that possibly and also have an opportunity to play or win a national championship. But I've talked to players that, you know, the national championship necessarily wasn't what they were all about. There's other things that are going on, and they had an incredible experience in college. Like, when you were at Ohio State, did you feel that, man, we can't lose? <laughs> if we let a bad play happen, that's not good, let alone losing a game or let alone losing to the team up north or, or possibly not making it to the ultimate goal. Um, because there's so much that goes on in sports, right? So much going on in football. There's a lot, there's a lot of ring chasing, perhaps. Like you'd see that in the NBA. But it can't just all be about winning championships. I know it is right to some level, but it's that journey. It's that experience. I mean, but talking to someone like yourself, who's played at high levels in high school, college and the NFL, talk to us a little bit about just the journey in and of itself and and the expectations that you felt as a player playing for Ohio state. Yeah. I think that, that the ultimate goal of winning a championship is kind of embedded into the journey for you. So it's like, uh, in the summer when I'm lifting weights or doing some type of conditioning, I'm thinking, man, I need to, I need to make sure I get this, get this in the day so I can be the type of player that's going to be a all Big Ten type caliber player, so I can ultimately be on the big stage and win a championship and make that big play versus Michigan and stuff like that. So um, you definitely, 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 that ultimate goal is kind of is kind of ingrained into you day to day. Um, but the expectations are super high. I, I think I think a lot of guys who are capable, they don't fully uh do the things that they're capable capable of because of those because of that pressure and because of the expectations at Ohio State. And I think part of the coach's job is to make sure that the player players can understand the goal but also stay loose and because it, it, it's a lot of guys try to um, and I think coaches can help with recognizing, taking the guy and saying, look, these are, these are the expectations, but 
you need to do these specific things and focus on these specific things and you'll be able to reach those heights and reach those expectations. Um, but yeah, I mean, at Ohio State, national championship or bust. And if you don't reach that level, then it's okay. We got to be a big 10 champion. And if you can't get to that, we got to, all right, we got to be Michigan. <laughs> but I remember playing, um, and always feeling like if we lost more than, if we lost two games, more than two games, it felt like a failed season. So we, if we lost one game, we're like, damn, we may not, you know, you lose one, especially in my, at my time, it was, it was, they, there was no playoff or anything. So you lose one, it's like, okay, we're not going to make it to the national championship. Now we have to win the Big Ten, and we can't lose another game. We lose another game, it was like, man. And we go, we go back. We watch, be watching ESPN and sitting there like, dang, we suck. Man. We lost two games. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, I mean, with two, you might still have an opportunity based on how things uh, uh, played out. But then the third loss is like, oh man, this this is just a this is a bad season for us. So it was the the margin of of error was so small, um, and we understood that and we we um, embraced it. Yeah. Well, you're, there's a few things going on there. Um, first of all, it's individual, and you touched on this earlier. It's individually do your job, right? And we talk about that in our business all the time. You know, you can get over, you can get, you can overthink things because you're trying to do so many other people's jobs. But if you just do the tasks that you're supposed to do, and and help out where you can help out, you know, we we can get to where we want to go. But first of all, you have to do your job. That's you winning the championship that day. Um, but then yeah. also you're talking about the ultimate goal, right? Being the championship, and that's ingrained in the journey. So you have an eye on that ultimate prize. And then you, let's say you lose, right? Mm-hmm. Let's like, you, the three games, right? So there are failures. There is winning and losing in sports, right? I know we talk about at eighth place trophies, and it's kind of crazy what's you know what society breeds. But there's a team, there's a football game, there's a team that wins, and there's a team that loses. And there might have been bad calls throughout or lucky situations. Who knows? But someone won and someone lost, right? But if you had a good season, you know, three losses, I get it. Ohio State, like, man, we, we did not succeed this year. But you have one loss, right? You yeah. look at the year after. So the, I would look at, first of all, let's go back, 06. You win. You have an incredible season. Heisman Trophy quarterback. You go on. You beat Michigan the one versus two. I mean, that's the game to remember. I get it. A few, like, I think it was like six or seven weeks later, which, first of all, to me is just, that was insane at the time. Like, hold on. Now, Ohio State beat, beats Michigan, and you got to wait. I think they t- looked at the Philadelphia Eagles played like seven or eight games in between when Ohio State played, beat Michigan, and then had to play Florida for the national championship. I was like, when we walked out of that stadium that day, and I'm not a part of it at all, and I have no idea. I'm like, man, I don't know how you get up after that game again, and you have to wait two months almost to play. But then you go out and you lose, and it wasn't a great game. I remember Ted Ginn gets hurt, like, opening kickoff i mean things happen but like is that an unsuccessful season because you didn't win the national championship i mean i didn't see it like that at all yeah it's disappointing in the time and it's probably takes a little bit to get over and we're still talking about it today but do you look back at that moment and be like man that was an incredible journey you guys were on that that team was on do you see that as a negative do you see it like like talk to me about that a little bit well it was two seasons always so First season was Big Ten champion. Second season was the bowl game. And it was hard to merge the two, really. I mean, ultimately, ultimately you're like, okay, we want to win the big game. We want to win the championship. It was hard to merge them together because they were so far apart. And you couldn't even control your destiny in terms of whether or not you made it to the national championship. So somebody selected you. So obviously, if you went in the season, 
undefeated at Ohio State, you most likely were going to make it. But there was no guarantee. But then once you lose a game, then it's like, okay, they just have to decide. So our, you, you split the season up. You're like, okay, let's let's take care of the Big Ten. Let's beat these the people who are the teams who are right in front of us. And then after that, that season is over with. And then you have to come off of that season completely, um, take a little bit of a break, and you start working towards season number two, which was whatever bowl game you were in or whatever, the national championship or whatever. I went to all BCS games or championships. So with that next that next big game. So the season was a success, but season number two was not. The, the um, championship game was not a success. And it really kind of – that's how – I always looked at it even after the foul. Like, then we had a really good season. Um, Torrey Smith was a Heisman Trophy winner. It was a really good season. We had a very bad bowl game. And it's almost, you almost have to separate it because the way it was structured, it was really – so it was it was unlike a, a, a season football game because now you're, you're preparing for a team for a month, which is completely different than the way, you know, football operates. So. That's right. Well, and then it happened the next year, and that was crazy because Illinois, right? I think Illinois upsets you guys. And at that point, it was like, yep. well, it's over, right? We're not going to go in it. And then the last day of the year, last day of college football, I think West Virginia was playing. Um, LSU was down there, like number six or seven. All of a sudden, when that evening, when the late games ended, Ohio State was in, right? You guys were in. Because everyone else had lost. Yeah. So all of a sudden, Ohio State's number one. You're like, hold on, this is crazy. We're having arguments about who number two is. Ohio State was the one outside looking in. That was nuts. Do you remember that? I mean, you talk about like not remembering a lot from early in your college career. Because I get it. Because it's probably like right. just so many things are happening. The next thing you know, you're playing in the national championship versus LSU where you grew up, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that was year two for me. So I remember everything from that year. Okay. <laughs> um, and we... We actually watched the two games. I think one game was uh, was West Virginia. I think they were playing Pittsburgh. And the other game was Arkansas playing LSU, I believe. No, not not LSU. Arkansas playing um, Missouri, maybe. That's it. it was, I, don't, I can't I think remember. You're right. It, I think it Missouri was, was it, the other team. It, it was yeah. It was two teams that were one and two. West Virginia, I think Missouri or somebody else that nobody really thought they would be into. Like nobody right. expected those teams to actually be in that position. West Virginia was really good that year, um, Pat White and everything. So we watched both games. Um, Chester brought us all into the team room. We put the, the games on the big screen, and we're rooting for one of the teams to lose. <laughs> and they both lost. <laughs> so we went from like number three or whatever to number one, and now we're trying to figure out okay. Well, who are we going to play? Because <laughs> it seemed like everybody lost. So there was like a question of who you want to play. And of course, um, SEC, because the SEC, team, SEC was strong, they were going to put an SEC team in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was my that was my redshirt freshman year. So I started in that, uh, that national championship game. And it's weird because the LSU, their tendencies all year, which, I mean, you should do, but their tendencies all year, throwing the ball, they had really good receivers, Brandon LaFell, um, different guys. Of throwing the ball to all their receivers, they broke their tendency, and they really just kind of 
ran the ball and threw the ball to the tight end who they never threw the ball to all year. Yeah. And they really got the better of us. Yeah. Well, the game started off good, I know. But, yeah, I mean, it's a crazy time because I remember watching ESPN and, and all the coaches were coming on and the analysts and everyone's, like, campaigning and they're talking about who should be there. And it's, it's in a way, it's fun because it's you got to watch it, right? Like, you guys are sitting there watching it. We're sitting there watching it. Everyone's watching it. Like, this is fascinating. We got to wait. Like, who's going to be number two? And who's Ohio State going to play? And then you look, you fast forward to today, and a lot of that's happening again. And I think, you know, they certainly love the debate. But to me, it's kind of crazy because football's played on the field. Like, we can sit here and argue all day about who's better and who would win. And, you know, there's assumptions and there's matter-of-factness of, like, well, it's an SEC team, so of course the SEC team needs to go because they're the best. And, you know, it's it's... Uh, a lot of people who, who don't understand it. You know, no doubt the SEC is very good, but it's kind of crazy to me, right, that that's how we're deciding national champions on not necessarily deciding the national championship on paper, but who's going to play for it on paper, and then we're going to match these two teams up in a game that's going to be a month away, maybe two months away. You know, as a player, is it's, yeah. it's frustrating. It's got to be. It's, it's completely flawed, but, I mean, you just kind of adapt to okay. the flawed system because I mean to be honest be honest there's no perfect way to do things and especially when you got college athletes who are amateur. You know, if we want to call them amateur, they're amateur. So <laughs> um you can't you can't have a long playoff where you have guys who came here to go to school and play football, but now you drag on their season and football is unique in that it's not like basketball where you can play one day and then the next day you can play another game. You you play a game this week, you have to wait a week to play the next game because you have to recover um, from all the, you know, running into each other the, the week before. So um, to really create a real playoff, I don't think it's – it may eventually do it, but I don't think it, it, it makes sense or it's right for uh, college football because these guys aren't getting paid to do this. I mean, at, at some point, you got to limit their games to a certain amount of games. They can't play – on and on and on. So it's a flaw. It's a flaw way to do things, and it's it's a tough position to be in when you're when you're close, but you don't know if you're going to get in because you can't control it. Um, you can do everything right on the field. You can win all the games you're supposed to win. Imagine, who well, I, I don't know. I think it was UCF one year when it when they won. I think they went undefeated. Yep. Um, yep. Two years ago, and, I guess now. And from there, they just went to a bowl game. It's like. <laughs> We we did everything we're supposed to do. We beat everybody they put in front of us, and we don't have even the option. It's a foregone conclusion before we even step on the field that we can't make it to a playoff. Um, they may end up doing a good job of beating a, a big school in a bowl game, um, but it's like it doesn't matter. They've already decided that we can't make it. So it's definitely a flaw way. Uh, but, that I mean, life is flawed. Right? You can only control what you can control at the end of the day. So, um that's just the way it is. It is. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, so there's a few things there, too. So first of all, going back a little bit, you compartmentalize it. I love how you explain that. So you say, well, we had a successful season and we had this next season and we did not have a successful season. So what can we do to get better from there? And I think when you can compartmentalize the different things, you can have failures, right? I think it's OK to lose yeah. and recognize that loss and get better for it. And then looking at well, we can get in the NCA in a second and just amateur athletics as a whole, but a flawed system, well, what are you going to do about it? Because you, Chimdy, you can't be at Ohio State. So, well, this is a flaw. You, you might be able to change it down the road and people get together and say, we got to change this. But in the moment, the rules are the rules. What are you going to do about it? And you just have to play with it. Like you said, 
do what you can control. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's what Coach Trussell was talking a lot about of we can only control what's in front of us. We do the best that we can with that. And then we let the chips fall where they may. Right. And, you know, I think yeah. that's uh, that's the way it's the only way to look at it, because if not, you just drive yourself crazy. I know it drives fans crazy. But but like you're saying, like we're going to have a playoff. They're going to push. We're going to go to 18s. We'll go to 16 teams. It's like you watching the uh, NBA finals just ended when we are recording this last night. And I mean, you've had these guys have been playing basketball for so long. And now you got two of the best players in the league that are basically gone for a year. And it's crazy. And I don't know if that's the reason why they got hurt, because they've been playing so many so much basketball over the years. But that's basketball. You talk about football. And you're having to play games against teams that really you probably shouldn't even be on the field against. You know, I've seen this and you're like, this quarterback's going to get killed because the entire defensive line for Ohio State's going to be in the NFL one day. And this guy is six foot one, 180 pounds, and he's not going to survive this game. Um, But I get it because if his program doesn't play and get to show up to the shoe, they're not getting the big payday that they need to even keep the program going. And, and, and I get it. Ohio State's got an incredible brand and they will always, it seems like always have an incredible brand, but you guys are amateurs, right? You're not getting paid a dollar for this. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of frustrations. I know walking around campus and you see all the Ohio State gear, you know, down high street and, and all that. And, and not one player, and this is across the country that gets anything for it. And it's difficult because again, like we talked about, talked about before, there's a lot of diversity and people coming from all different, you know, walks of life to come play college football um, did you focus on that at all at Ohio State, or were you just really focused on your craft and say, "Man, this is this is amateur sports, man. This is this is more." And then you realize it later, right? This is more NFL than maybe the NFL is at times. Yeah, I, I think at the time, I mean, when you, I think for me personally, I can only speak to my personal experience. I was in a unique position in that uh, I recognized that if I played well, I would go to the, I would go to the NFL. I'm playing at Ohio State. I'm playing quarterback at Ohio State. The guys before me who did well, who started for Ohio State, they went to the NFL. So if I did the same thing, I'll go to the NFL. So for me, it was a big opportunity. Right? It was a huge opportunity to be able to do something that I, I kind of dreamed about. So that was primarily my focus, focus. As I got closer to being in that position where I was going to be able to get drafted, um, I became an upperclassman senior or whatever. That's when I started to kind of see you know, we're bringing a lot of a lot of money to Ohio State. Uh, my jersey's being sold currently at the. This is when I'm, a, when I'm, a, I'm a, when I was a senior. My jersey being in, is in the stores right now. I'm not getting any uh, revenue from that. So, um, you you see Terrell Pryor's jersey being uh, auctioned off on online, and I'm thinking, wow, his jersey went for that much. But <laughs> Ohio, Ohio State's getting the money for that, and they. And then all the stuff comes out about the tattoos and uh, TP selling his jersey um, for like I don't know he sold it for like a hundred dollars or something I don't know and then you st- and then I go back well he just sold his jersey for enough enough to get a, a steak dinner but I just saw his jersey get auctioned off online for way more than that um, and it, it you know that's when it. it Stuff kind of I started to open up my eyes a little bit more, but like like I said before, that's that's the current system. You want that you want those things to change. But at the at the time, you know you have to do do the things that you can control and, and make sure you make the most of how the game is set up. Because when in football, 
there's rules that you, as a corner, me specifically, like there's past interferences that are called that I don't necessarily agree with, but I understand this is how they're going to call it, so I need to make sure that I uh, play according to what how the game is being called. So the same way in life. I mean, some of these rules don't make sense to me. Some of the stuff that's set up doesn't make sense, but life is never fair. So you just got to understand the game and, and try to make sure that you maximize your uh, your time at Ohio State in other ways to set yourself up for uh, life after football. Well, I mean, the the mindset you have is is amazing. And just to, to hear you talk, and that's why it's so important for, you know, you're out there in the community, you're sharing your message. It's like you got to live with it and move on. Um, and you see it all the time. Like you said, on the field, it's just it could be a 20-yard pass play and they throw interference flag and you're like, what? I didn't do anything. You know, how, how are we throwing this flag? And it was third and 10 and now they got a first down. Are you serious? And that could change the outcome of the game or it, it maybe not change the outcome, but it could lead to possibly a different outcome if things play out. Um, and then yeah. dealing with the frustrations like you had at Ohio State and, and seeing that with Terrell Pryor and, and what he had to go through. And, you know, we, you've seen it before. And there's a story and talk about Michigan necessarily, but it was like the story of Chris Weber walking down the street after they had lost a championship and he sees his jersey in the store. And he's like, this is crazy, man. Like <laughs> they're making all this money and I get nothing. And, they, and then the, as assistant coach is like and he was gone as soon as he saw that it was over. And you hear those stories over and over again. Um but that's what you have to live with, like you said, because those are the rules that are in place. So you're there at Ohio State and, and social media was really starting to come about. Like it just was kickstarting, if I'm not mistaken. The iPhone 2007 comes about. And I think today, especially over the last few years, at least college athletes have this incredible opportunity, because if you play at Ohio State, you got like how many people fit in the horseshoe right now? 105, 110,000. And you got fans all across the globe, really. And you can interact with them now, one-to-one. It's no different than how we connected on LinkedIn. Like, man, I just see all the good that you're doing. We just have a connection there. We start messaging each other. And, hey, you want a podcast chat? Yeah, let's do it. And it's, you know, we never have this conversation if it's not for LinkedIn, if it's not for social media. And I think if you, if you can take the mindset that you have, like, listen, we're not going to change the NCAA today. Hopefully it changes because it needs to. Amateur athletics is kind of, in many ways, it's a very flawed system. But at the same time, there's an opportunity for college athletes to brand themselves while they're in school because when they come out if they get the good advice when they come out of school man they're, they're still fans like I, I guarantee you if i go talk right. to Ohio state fans they're gonna know exactly who, who you are and they're gonna remember you there and they're gonna remember the teams that you played on um did you get involved with social media like was it Facebook obviously was the one, so you probably had a Facebook account right. at that time but did you did you see did you deal with that social media at all while you were at Ohio State yeah, and when I when I was there, it, social media had just kind of got going, and I think I got on Twitter maybe my junior senior year. I'm not sure. Um, I don't even think I got on Instagram. I'm not sure when Instagram. Yeah, that was a few years later. Right. I don't think I, <laughs> yeah, I don't even think I got on Instagram at all. And I remember at that time, our coaches and staff were so anti-social media at that time because they – or they saw it was as a, a a way that guys could get in trouble. Somebody's going to post something that they shouldn't post. It's going to be on the news. So uh, that energy kind of um, got most guys, kept most guys away from doing too much on social media or communicating too much with people on social media. 
Um, and then also, you know, just being it being more new, you know, you get negative uh, comments on there. So you wanted to stay away from that stuff, too. So, I mean, we outside of Facebook, we didn't really get too active on social media. Nowadays, you got, you know, guys in college, if you get catching the interception um, in a game now, you probably gain yourself 5,000 followers. Easy, so, easy. Uh, it, it's, it, it's amazing how it is. And it, it's just one of those things where, okay, you're not able to, to maximize your brand while you're, while you're playing before, but now social media gives, gives you that avenue. So it, it, it's definitely something that they should be cognizant of and just understand, like, you know, I can, I can gain this influence right now if I'm interactive with with uh with my fans and, and maintain that influence after I'm done. So yeah, definitely a great opportunity for guys currently. Yeah, I know I would absolutely take advantage of it. I, I still think there's an opportunity for even players like yourself. You haven't been at Ohio State in a while, but you're very recognizable within Ohio State's community. Um and you're obviously doing a lot of great things and, and being an entrepreneur because I think that I'm seeing a lot of that. Um, whether it's on social media or just in general, um, you know, you, you hear about what Jim Trestle did. You hear about what Coach Urban Meyer did. And it's, it's, football is obviously the driver of all of it. But there's a lot of other things that happen after. And, and then you go to the NFL, and we'll touch on this. You go to the Oakland Raiders, you're drafted in the fourth round. Um, and, you know, you, you tell a story real quick because your NFL career can end for many different reasons. You know, there's just constantly new guys coming in and, you know, you might be getting a little bit older and there's obvi- the obvious one, which is an injury. And I believe, and I heard you tell the story on your video that you were playing against Buffalo and you tore your hamstring. And that was, it sounded like maybe, oh man, can you get back to, cause you're a very athletic player, right? Can you get back to where you yeah. were? Um, but that's just the thing. Like you go from college to the NFL and it's, you might not even go from college to the NFL. You might be a very good college player. You don't make it to the NFL, but then you do make it to the NFL, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're guaranteed a 15-year career, right? Things change. And, I mean, I think the average lifespan, right, is, what, two to three years in the NFL? Um, is that what happened? Is that Did you have an injury? Um, I think it was on a special teams play, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was like the final nail. But uh, really – from from Ohio State going to NFL, I had a, a issue that I didn't really know about until probably my my last year. Um, both my hip bones, it's like I got like a hip impingement, uh, and that limitation, developing that limitation, uh, stressed everything else. And over time, you know, my knee started started to bother me because the knee's not supposed to move; it's not supposed to compensate for the hip. And the hip is supposed to have more more of the the range of motion and knee supposed to be more stable. Um, and then once my, you know, knee injury started, started getting a lot of swelling in the knee and all that swelling in the knee uh, affected my hamstring tendon. Then eventually that tendon just pops. Um, so that's kind of the progression, right? It started in college um, and then it, it kind of followed me into the NFL. But, yeah, I mean, that's just the reality of it. You You, you really don't know because, if you asked me coming out of college what type of NFL career I was going to have, I would have told you I don't, <laughs> I'm going to be the best corner in the NFL without question. Because that was, a, that was the kind of type of confidence I had um, at that time. But I didn't realize, you know, the the, the issues I had also. Like that stuff, um, it, you, you don't know for sure about those things until you, you're under the pressure and you're, 
uh, going through the, the stress of an NFL season uh, over and over again. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it was. But I, I always I always reminded myself or told myself that the NFL was going to be a head start for me. It's going to be a head start. There's going to be a lot of life after football. I'm gonna I'm gonna have more life not playing football than I did did playing football. So I need to make sure that uh that I I I I put that same energy into doing everything else, whether it's being a father or a husband or whatever. Put that same energy that I did into football into into everything else. I love that man, and I see it when I read about you and I see your video and I'm talking to you and that you saw it as. This is an opportunity. This is a head start. And I'm going to do all these other things. Like you said, you got married. You have a daughter. You have started these businesses. You're part of the community. And let's talk about real quick about your pit barbecue grill. You go out there. And and what I love about it is we want to be a part of the Columbus community. It's not just a restaurant where you get good food. Of course, that goes without saying. It's more than that. And I think you're, you're creating that, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, when I'm... When I come back, and we usually try to get up to Columbus at least once, maybe not twice, if we can, twice a year, we're coming to the Pit Barbecue Grill, man. But um, what was that? Like, how did you decide to start a restaurant? I mean, obviously, you're from New Orleans, and, and, and food's, food's a big deal right there, right? So you come to Columbus. Yeah. Is, is that, like, because it's, it's ingrained in you? Uh, I, I think when I, when I was in college, I feel like there were some restaurants missing. I feel like there were some, some things in Columbus that um, – I would have liked to see. So I kind of had in the back of my mind talking with friends, like, you know, we should probably try to do a restaurant here. Uh, something that we like, something that we think other other individuals would like, something that was similar to um, restaurants that we grew up going to and um, the community enjoy. Um, but then I kind of shifted to wanting to do a franchise and going through that franchise process uh, reminded me why we wanted to do our own thing in the beginning. Um, because it wasn't, there was no connection. There was nothing um, that we felt really connected us to the community and put out a product that we were really uh, proud of. So, um, so then that's when we just decided to try something. And you know, to be honest, we've never done a restaurant before or anything like that. So, you know, we recognized that we, this may not work out. Like restaurants aren't <laughs> the restaurant business isn't the business that uh, is close to being guaranteed to be successful. But uh, we decided we were going to do it our way. We're going to make it a community thing. We're going to make sure we put it in a community that we care about. Um, so we didn't necessarily, if, if if somebody was to say, what's the best location to put this restaurant? We didn't necessarily pick the best location, but we picked the location that meant the most to us um, at that time. And we think that in you know, that type of uh, focus, um, really kind of helped us because it, it allowed individuals in that community to want to support. Um, and from there, we just can try to continue to grow. And you have, so you have the restaurant and um, you have other things going on. And, and, and going back to what you said, like you, you looked at the opportunity of building a franchise, but you saw, man, I think this is when the true entrepreneur and you is coming out. You're like, no, no, no that's not for me. I'm going to go out here and build this. And you know what? If it fails, it's going to be my fault and I'm going to deal with it. And you're going to put yourself out there. And I love that. And that's what we did. And that's why it's just when you see something like that, that's out there and there's a, there's a like-mindedness. That's why we love having these types of conversations. So the pit barbecue grill 
um, is in a way you have a daughter, but it's, it's another, it's another baby. It's another, it's a business, but it's, yeah. and there's so much that you're probably putting into that, but you have other things going on as a true entrepreneur would talk to me a little bit about what else you're doing in the business community. Yeah. So, um, I'm trying to I'm trying to make sure I focus myself. And one thing about being an entrepreneur is a lot of times you see a lot of great opportunities, and that opportunity is for you. Um, but one thing I'm passionate about um, in the same community where we built the where we um, opened up the restaurant, um, I want to develop new new builds, new build homes, um, and I'm working on I want them to be affordable homes. Um, and the thing about the Columbus market, if you understand. The way Columbus is growing, um, a lot of the value of these these homes are 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 going up in, within in the in the city, inner city of Columbus, and this area is also going to continue to to go up go, go go up and price a lot of people out of purchasing these homes. So before that happens, um, I want to uh, develop some new new builds and allow individuals to get in now and purchase these homes. And purchase some brand new homes, um, and be able to ride that wave as Columbus market continues to to go up. Yeah, it's, I mean, it sounds like you're giving back a lot to the community. I know you've done some stuff um, with helping, you know, middle school and high school kids at risk at risk youth, um, and, and giving back to the community that way as well. Uh, I mean, just you recognizing that you do have influence that you had an opportunity to play football at Ohio state and you had an opportunity then to take that to the NFL. And then you realize that that was the head start to then lead you to the, man, you got your whole life ahead of you. Right. I mean, the NFL career can end or a professional career can end, but you're just getting started. Um, I'm blown away by the mindset because it's powerful and it could lead to a many, to many amazing things. Um, and there's a lot of people transitioning from professional sports or, or early on career type stuff that they have to then go out and, and become almost like you say, like uh, the real world, perhaps. What advice do you have for NFL players like yourself that are maybe still in their career? Like what can they be doing today to get, set themselves up or that transition to moving on? Because it can't be easy, right? It's, it's not easy for anyone. I don't think from going from college to playing professionally or just going out into the real world at that point it's not an easy thing. I mean, it's just like a, man, it's a wake up call. But if your mind is set before and you understand what your opportunities are ahead of you, wow, there's a lot of stuff that you can do and you're going to learn along the way. I mean, that's what it sounds like you've done. I mean, it wasn't just like, a, a, yeah, perhaps a light went off, but there's a lot of things that you had to do to get your mind right, to get to that point, to then build the restaurant and, and build and start working on these homes and all the other things that you have going on. But what advice would you give to a professional athletes today to like, man, because I would say this, talk to someone like Chimdi because he's doing a lot of good right now. Yeah, I, I think every athlete understands game plans, right? Every athlete understands game plans. And in in the context of um, sports, it makes perfect sense. If, if we could take that same uh, approach to everything outside of sports, I think that would be probably my best advice to be able to say, okay, this is what I want to do in life. This is the, these are the categories and the things that are most important to me. And I listed what's most important to me. And now I need to make sure that I create a plan to improve um, and attain the things I want to attain outside of whatever my respective sport is. And if I create that plan, 
I'm not going to be able to perfectly execute that plan. So when I have those failures or I, I miss opportunities or I do things that I recognize weren't the best way to, to do them, I, I look at that and say, how can I get better? Because in, 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 in football or in sports, we we watch ourselves. We, we're we self-aware. We understand, all right, we didn't execute this game plan properly. What did we do wrong? What was What was wrong? What do we need to change? If we did those same things in all the other categories that, that are important to us in our in our lives, we would also improve in those areas, which will make us more complete as an individual. And as we continue to build up ourselves, we also should uh, grow our community, build up our community, uh, connect with like-minded individuals, connect with like-minded people. I may be an NFL player, and I might be one of the, the best at what I do well, Find somebody who's the best at real estate. Find somebody who's the best at restaurants. Find somebody. While I do have this ability to connect with with people because of what I'm doing, make sure you connect with some of the people who are the best at what they do, so that while you're while you're growing um, as an athlete, they're helping you grow as a, a entrepreneur and whatever else, whatever else you're, you're, you, you, you focus on or what you, what you want to do outside of your sport. And if you're able to build up yourself and uh, build up your community, once you get done, uh, there's a lot of opportunity out there and you're uh, prepared for it. Well, Jimmy, what you just shared right there, I mean, that's what it's all about. And I, I think professional athletes need to hear it. I think just any professional needs to hear it. Um, and I'm just I'm honored that you were able to come on and, and spend this time with us talking about this. Um, I wish you nothing but the best with all that you have going on. I hope we can stay connected. Um, when when like I said when I come to Columbus, I'm with my family. We're coming to the Pit Barbecue Grill. Um, what's the where? So tell so if someone wants to, is listening right now. They want to go get something to eat today or, or you know in the future. Where's the Pit Barbecue Grill? And also, what's the best way people can can connect with you? So the Pit Barbecue Grill is in the Northern Lights Shopping Center. Um, that address is 3545 Cleveland Avenue. Um, if anybody's familiar with Columbus, it's also Cleveland Avenue is about a mile south of Morse Road. Um, so if you're if you know if you're familiar with Columbus, you know where Morse is? Yes. Get to Cleveland and Morse and go about a mile south. It's, it's right there in Northern Lights Shopping Center. Um, the best way to connect with me, I'm on Facebook. Um, Twitter and Instagram on Instagram on Chimcheck35 on uh, Twitter um, Chimcheck. Um, I mean that's that's the best way to uh, reach out to me, connect with me, follow me, and yeah, I'll just be continuing to try to better myself every day. Well, we see it, and I mean, I see you writing for Letterman Row. I see you having conversations about talking about the Ohio State football program. You're talking about your restaurant, helping the community, being a true entrepreneur, spending time with us on this podcast. Man, I'm just, I'm, uh, I'm just grateful. Like I said, that you gave us all this time to chat with us, and like I said, hopefully uh, we can con- continue to stay in touch, and we'll be watching absolutely everything that you have going on. But um, awesome talking to you. Go Bucks! And thanks again, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Jim D, it has been absolutely awesome having you on this podcast. Because of your passion and lessons in sports and entrepreneurship, we are all better off from the time we spent with you. The perspectives from Jim D on constant improvement are now perspectives you, the business leader, can use for yourself. And for that, Jim D, 
thank you. And for anyone looking to talk to Chimdi about his football or entrepreneurial journey, we encourage you to reach out to him. And if you're in Columbus or heading to Columbus, be sure to stop by Chimdi's restaurant, The Pit Barbecue Grill. If you have questions, feel free to reach out to me directly. You can find me on LinkedIn or contact me on Twitter at Eric underscore Cast. Thank you for listening to the Sports Epreneur Podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide. Now go get it.